Three, two, one, and welcome everybody to this episode of the Coming Home Podcast. I am your host, John Allen, and today I'm speaking with Tatiana Wexler. Hello, young lady. Hello, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm sweating to death. It's only oh, a, wow. it's only about 73 degrees here in Norway, but for Norway, <laughs> for Norway, that's hot. <laughs> that's so funny because we're about that today too. And I'm was thinking, oh, this is great. It's nice and cool. And you guys, uh, that that New York weather, I tell you, when it gets hot there, I can remember years ago, I was in, I believe I was in Brooklyn, and it was about 95 degrees, and the air was just completely still. I don't know if it's the buildings or whatever that just blocked any kind of a breeze. I'll never forget that. It was horrible. Yes, the summers can be (laughs) really rough. People... I think people who don't live here or haven't been here much maybe don't think that because we're in the north, but the summers are are intense. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know, I, uh, I've been looking forward to this conversation with you. You have a fascinating background. Um, uh, forget about your background. We'll get to that later. Let's talk about your current life and yes. your involvement in the arts. And when I say the arts, I'm talking acting, I'm talking music, I'm talking musicals that Mm -hmm. Broadway, New York type of thing. What have you gotten yourself into? What's going on? Well, um, as with most performers, this has been a really tough time. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I had different plans for the summer. I was going to do a show off Broadway, a play, and that can't happen. So I feel like it's gone through stages. I've had stages where I had no desire to do any creative output Um, I just was trying to get by and take care of myself. Um, but then I got to the point where, um, oh, I don't know if you can hear there's, I sure can. That sounds like New York. (laughs) That's New York city, Manhattan. Um, yeah, I got to a point where I, uh, little projects started popping up. So there were certain things from um, composers I'd work with who said, oh, we're making this music video or I'm doing this project. Can you do it? Um, And I got asked to do some concerts. So it's been actually really fun lately to have all these different sorts of things to work on. Um, It's tough because none of them are, you know, full-time jobs. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That's very challenging. Because I would imagine when you get involved in an off-Broadway play or mm-hmm. maybe in, in, in like a mini concert tour of some sort, your yes. time then is it's, it's, it's uh, occupied in larger blocks. You know, that yes. off-Broadway play might run for, you know, who knows how many days, weeks or whatever. Exactly. So is this a, and I've heard both sides. I've heard a lot of musicians and artists say that they're actually enjoying uh, these COVID days mm-hmm. because it has forced them to think differently and that has awakened a new creativity. But then you have others who are frustrated, uh, financially desperate, and mm-hmm. it's killing their creativity. Where do you fall right. on those two extremes? Ooh, I feel like I'm a little in between and it varies. Some days I'm to one extreme end. You know, there have been days I've thought, you know, I, I think of this time as the time of the hyphenate. I have so many friends who do so many things. Yes. Um, like I know you are, you do so many different wide ranging things. And I think that is awesome. Um, 
I, there's sometimes an advice of, you know, if you can't see yourself doing acting, uh, or if you can see yourself doing anything else, do that because acting is so stressful. But I think we're, I don't think that applies anymore. I think that doing other things makes you a better artist and a better person. So I've had to, yeah. No, go I've ahead. Sometimes things I've had sometimes lately where I'm like, okay, this is a good time to hone on my other skills. Cause as an actor, you can sometimes feel like I'm just waiting for the phone to ring, yeah. but I have so many other things I enjoy to do. And I'm feeling, um, very galvanized politically. And I'm feeling like, okay, what can I make? I've wanted to work on music for a long time. And I've always said, Oh, I don't have time for it. Um, and now I have the time for it. So now how long, uh, speaking of time, how much time did you have to put into your video concert that you put out, which by the yeah. way, congratulations. Oh, thank uh, you. I loved it. Uh, my wife loved it and our daughter oh. loved it. It was fascinating. So, thank you so much. Su such a, such a different way of presenting a musical project. Yeah, it was musical, was, but there is a, a, a bit of acting in it. It was a yes. it was quite the unique entertainment experience. So hats off to you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, I think I was asked to do something. I think it was in sometime in May. And I said, OK, I'll do a concert and this is when I should I'll do original material and I'm just going to do it and I'm going to commit to it and put a date. And then that means I have to do it. Yeah, because you um, wrote you wrote a part, of, uh, a big part of those songs, did you not? Yes, yeah. I think. Uh, yeah. The six of the nine songs of the nine. were original songs. Yes. Um, and so I, I finished writing the songs by the end of June. That sort of some of the songs were already half written. That was an more of an amorphous process but then starting i moved to a new apartment at the start of july and then right after that it was about three weeks of non-stop work um because i was learning about all this equipment i don't i wouldn't fancy myself you know a sound designer or a no. or a pr music producer or anything like that but i wanted to learn or start to learn I, so i yeah. i can identify with that uh just to throw a little mm -hmm. touch of my own uh, experience in there. Yeah. Uh, I'll admit to you that up until about two seconds before I called you, I was frantically going back and forth and trying to get my mixer to perform yeah. the way it's supposed to. When it comes yes. to the technical side of things, that is actually something that has held me back in my creativity because I am not mm -hmm. technically savvy. Right. I have my equipment and when it works, everything is fine. But if the slightest little hiccup comes... Right. I'm I'm lost. So how mm. big was that technical side of things for you? Because you had um, uh, you have the challenge of, you know, when you're filming and you have, uh, 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 you know, the music playing in the background, you've got to match it up. Yes. You've got to get the video <laughs> production done and all that stuff. Did you have any help with that yes. or was it just you? That was me and a lot of YouTube tutorials. <laughs> I had a couple <laughs> days where I just watched hours of tutorials on YouTube, um, both with learning about mixing the music and editing the videos. And the way I thought about it was, uh, you know, I hope a year from now I'll look back on how I worked on this and think, wow, I didn't know anything and I was moving so slowly. Um, and it, it I, I feel like I've learned a lot to the point now I have another concert coming up and I'm not as, 
you know, oh my gosh, how will I do it? I have another, to learn another so video, much. I, another video concert? Yes, I'm yeah, going to okay. do a concert for um, the National Yiddish Theater, ah. which uh, is a theater that primarily does works in Yiddish, and I've worked with them a number of times over the years. Um, okay, so, so you speak Yiddish mean, as well. Well, I don't. It's interesting. I would say <laughs> a lot of the performers who work for them don't speak Yiddish. Oh. So, it can, yeah, it can, it's it's kind of fascinating to perform in a language you don't speak. I, it happens a lot in the opera world. Yes. Um, yeah. But for actors, I feel like not as much. Um, yeah. But I, I grew up learning German. I learned German in school and Yiddish is mostly German, mostly German so it's, yeah, yeah yeah so it's I do know what I'm saying when I'm performing in Yiddish <laughs> that's <laughs> it's good. not all yeah it just sounds that's good no yeah. I um I was I was very impressed as I said with your uh concert that you put on now if I understand you correctly those songs were written finished with the writing process just weeks before you yes. performed them Yes. How, how relaxed were you or was that a moment of stress for you? You know, I really, my, my roommate, <laughs> my poor roommate, he's so great, saw me through those, the, those couple weeks in July where actually I felt pretty good about the song writing itself. When that was done, I said, okay, this is great. And there were m minor changes I made in the recording process of, oh, let me change that okay. lyric. Let me change that yeah. melody. Um, but that felt pretty set it was more the task of because i also played most of the instruments there were only two songs where the instruments were provided by someone else so there were a lot of steps to it and yeah for those weeks leading up to it i <laughs> was in a cave i emerged occasionally out of my room it's like all right going back in that's that's pretty gutsy of you to have such a forgive the expression as such a naked performance of material that is so fresh right because i know most musicians <clears throat> have had so many rehearsals so many hours of rehearsal so many yes. uh, uh opportunities to practice that material before it's performed right for an audience but you didn't have that yes right? because the writing process was happening right up until pretty much right up until the performance gutsy. exactly gutsy <laughs> I guess, you know, it's funny in the moment of doing it, I just said, I think in some ways this time has felt like, why not? The time of why not? And just do something and just try what you want to try or just say what you want to say. Um, exactly. And that's yeah. an example of what I was talking about, how some artists have taken mm -hmm. these new COVID days and found inspiration and they have yes. stretched out a little bit. They've taken a few um, forays into new territory and they've become better for it. Yes. Yeah. And I also think, you know, if you're an artist who is not finding the motivation for that right now, that is okay too. <laughs> I think, you know, survival and personal well-being and well-being for everyone around you is the most important thing. And yeah, I have artist friends who can't, aren't, find the creative output right now and yeah. i think that is okay <laughs> definitely fine because eventually we're going to find a new normal eventually things are gonna flatten out <clears throat> and and mm -hmm. the whole entertainment apparatus will rise up in a new yes. in a new form 
And those of us who have hung in there, those of us who have, you know, maybe rested on our laurels and kind of gathered ourselves, but also those of us Mm -hmm. who have stretched out and find new territory, we Mm -hmm. will find our place in that new apparatus of, of entertainment. I'm sure, I'm sure you will. You're, I mean, you're active. You're, you're you're doing, you're, you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, so, so you did not have a producer. You did this whole project yourself. No. And something I've always thought about when I've wanted to work on music is, oh, I, I need a good producer because I don't know a lot about the technical stuff. And I still fully believe that. I feel like what I did for that concert and probably what I'll do for the next concert, if that's not quite what I would want to do if I were to release the songs as tracks, you know, I I feel like they're right for the concert, but if I were to release an EP or something like that, I would absolutely want to work with a producer. I'm going to dig on you a little bit. I'm going to dig deep into your, to your thought process. Why would you want a producer? Wouldn't that put you in a situation where you lose a certain amount of control over how you express yourself? Um, I think that's possible with some people. I think for me, it's because I have a vision for what I want it to sound like in my head. I I orchestrate and, you know, do a lot of that in my head. And I don't, you know, I don't play guitar or bass. And so, or, and I don't know the full, the full um, range of things you can do with this music software. So I know, oh, I want this sound, I want this effect, but I don't actually know how to execute that. I see. So in my head, it would be a cool partnership where I could learn, I mean, maybe one day I'd love to be my own producer. Um, But I also love the collaborative process. I do so much theater and there's so much collaboration and I know ideas only get better from that. How um, confident are you as a performer? Because I think, uh, I, I guess, and, and I guess I'm, I'm realizing, well, I've known this about myself, but I'm getting hit in the face with it right now yes. at this very moment when you say what you're saying about c- the collaborative aspect. It, it, it's, it, it's, uh, it's a confidence issue that I have mm-hmm. to where I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm a little unsure of my skills, so to speak. Yes. So I want everybody to stay away while I am stirring my pot, concocting Mm -hmm. my little thing, and then when I feel it's ready, then I'll present it. And and that, of course, means that I'm not working with a producer. But you you have a certain amount of confidence that I and a lot of other artists lack if you're willing to bring in a producer to help you realize your musical vision. Am I right? Yeah. Confidence? You know, I never thought about it that way. I think in some ways I thought about it the other way, you know, where I need help, but... But help is good. I I think it is also because of my theater background. I I just love working with other people. Um, You know, confidence for me, it's tough. A lot of people think I am confident in ways that sometimes I don't think I am. Um, I've told friends, oh, I'm nervous before every single performance of anything, whether it's, you know, one song at some concert (laughs) or like a big show or just a small event, nervous every single time. Um, and it, it's different for each thing and it varies and it's not always a bad thing, but, um, as I get older, (laughs) I, (laughs) I realize certain things really don't matter. And so if, 
especially in this time right now, it's been a time of reevaluating what actually matters. Yeah. And a lot of the lack of confidence that I sometimes feel, or I think lots of people feel is based on what they think people will think of them or their talents or their skills. And that's such a, Oh, it takes up so much time that could be used for other things. So, well, that's a good way of looking at it. It's, it's a, um, that's a very good way of looking at it. Um, Nobody wants to waste time, uh, Mm -hmm. especially on something that you hold so dear, which is your art, your creativity. Right. Now, exactly. what, what is it that got you into this, um, this life of creating, this life of art? Do you have anybody else in your family? Now, I know your uncle, and he's not very musical. <laughs> so where does this... <laughs> hello, no. Michael. Hello, Michael. I love you. Yes. Hello, so, Uncle Michael. Um, uh, where does it come know, from? Yeah, on my dad's side of the family, there are a lot of music enthusiasts, but not a lot of performers at least from you know my dad's generation um i i have always known it's what i want to do and i don't you know my house there was a lot of music and art and you know my dad's like a theater nerd and loves um movies and music and all that and my mom's a very musical person um but not a trained performer so it just was a good environment for for that sort of creative spirit to be born um but you know i guess like many maybe like many passions i i don't really know why i do it um or why i'm drawn to it but i know that that's what i love to do that's just what it is yeah yeah exactly well, I think it's important, or it has a lot to say, that you were in a house that loved uh, music and, and theater. Uh, yes. I also grew up in a house, in a family, that was constantly singing. My mother played the piano. Okay. Um, oh, awesome. I grew up in the church, so there was all of that good singing with the, yes. the, the harmonies and, and yes. just that raw musical thing that I always had throughout mm-hmm. my childhood and up into my teen years and all that. And I just kind of fell into it. One thing I regret is I don't have any formal training. Hmm. Um, but in your in your formal training, do you know music theory? Have you taken? Yes. So you okay? So if you want to sit down and write a song, you understand all of the the. Yeah, it's I. I think of musicians, the people who I think of of sort of really um, highly skilled musicians. I visualize it as people with brains and their fingers where it just comes out of them. Um, And I would not say I'm that when it comes to music theory. I studied piano. I was in, um, you know, choir classes in school. I took AP music theory. I studied music theory. Um, But I, so I I know chords. I can read sheet music. I can write chords. But, um, you know, if you place uh, an intense (laughs) piano piece in front of me, I would be like, okay, give me several weeks to learn this. (laughs) I I wish I would have studied music theory. I think I would be much better off now. I mean, I'm confident in my writing. I'm confident in my singing. uh, But I think I could be much better in the writing aspect if I knew music theory. I can't even read, I can't read music. If you told Mm -hmm. me to play uh, an F, major with a flat seventh if there is such a thing Uh i would have no clue what that is 
Gotcha. <laughs> you know, uh, if someone well, asks, but you, that is something you just <laughs> did say. Okay, that was a real thing. <laughs> Maybe I'm just reciting <laughs> what I heard on a Steve Lukather instructional guitar video or something, but I have no idea right. what that is. But um, well. do you do you think you would be where you are, um, or could you be where you are without that theoretical background? Do you think you could have just mm-hmm. felt your way to the level that you are at now? You know, for me personally, I don't think so because I'm not someone with the the musical brains in my fingers. Um, I think I needed that study and that training and it really has served me so much in ways like when you're working on a new musical, sometimes they bring you in a new song and then the next day you have to perform it to hundreds of people. Yeah. Um, And being able to go home and really play it for myself over and over on the piano and not rely on a recording or if I'm learning something for an audition, things like that, it really helps me as an actor doing other material. And then for writing my own material, I do sometimes feel like I, I headbutt into my limitations because sometimes I'll hear, ooh, I want it to be, you know, this fancy piano part, but I don't know how to do that. <laughs> um, well, I, th- I think one advantage that I have um, with not knowing music theory and <laughs> without having any formal training on the bass, guitar, keyboards, or any instrument is that when I have that musical picture in my head, when I'm yes. like, oh my gosh, I would love to do this on the mm-hmm. piano for this song or on the guitar for this song, and I have no clue how to do it, I don't have the skills, I will get the skills. I know what I want, so I will sit sometimes for days working Mm -hmm. on maybe three or four measures of a song on a guitar solo, for example, until I get it. And then I'll push record and I'll hit it. And there's such a feeling of accomplishment (laughs) when Mm -hmm. I, when I'm able to do that. So absolutely. But, but then again, it's so time consuming because I don't have the theory to just be able to just, Oh yeah, that's what I want to do. And then do it. Right. But I also think, you know, everybody's got their strengths. So for you, the certain things that may come super quickly to you may not come as quickly to other people. So because I do think outside the box because I'm not walled in by theory, I just have my idea and there it is. Yeah. Yes. Which is something I feel like sometimes training can strip you of. And so it's, whether it's musical training or acting training, you can then feel like where's the freedom of play because ultimately that's what it should be about. Um, So sometimes finding that again after training can be challenging. Well, here's what I think was so interesting about uh, your, your video concert. Um, There was this thought out professionalism in it with, with beautiful songs, well sung by the way, uh, with, with great lyrics and you could hear the professionalism in that. And then on the other side, you had such a raw, naked and open picture of sound. Mm. That mm-hmm. was, you know, there, you, you, it's, it's not this wall of sound. It's quite the opposite. It's like a paper thin right. uh, uh, covering of sound. It was uh-huh. so, and I don't want to say lo-fi because that sounds negative, but it was just such right. a thin musical production that i just thought yes. it just it was a good match with that very well it sounds like it was a well-produced vocal performance and the professional lyrics and everything it was just a great mix Thank you. yeah 
Thank you. And that's yeah. why, that to go back to what I was saying about a producer, that's why, mm-hmm. because I know these days in modern music, producers like to have a thicker musical production. Right. Whereas your right. thin production was yes. so much more raw, and then the emotion and the feeling in your voice was yeah. able to come out. Thank you. I some of that was, you know, necessity. I I had visions for certain songs where, you know, I'd love to have. Don't a say that. Basis, tell tell them you planned it. Don't say it was a necessity. <laughs> tell them you planned it that planned. way. It was all planned. It was all planned. But you know, it was a benefit concert, and I believe in paying my artists. So if I if I had a vision of you know wanting to get ten people on a project, that was you know beyond mm. the. The, what the project could allot for. Um, so I, and also the thing is because of, I've been watching so many at home quarantine made things and I feel like the expectation, almost if it gets too well produced, then people want it to be yeah. at the level of what it could be like not COVID related. And I just can't do that. Mike, I have equipment, but I can't make you know, a certain level of thing at yeah. my at home studio. Yeah. So I wanted it to be what it is, which is me with a couple pieces of equipment yeah. and a couple instruments and that's it. Well, there's definitely different levels to it, but your uh, raw um, uh, organic approach to it was perfect. I've seen bands here in Norway. They have this, um, it's a live streaming thing that they've put on Facebook. It's called the digital scene. It's something else in Norwegian, but translated, it's called the digital scene and little Norway, where if you're a top artist and you sell 20,000 copies of an album, that's Mm -hmm. a hit, a big hit, 20,000 copies. And they're getting people or a potential audience rather of over 160,000 viewers on these live streams. So it has been really interesting to see the Norwegian artists Mm -hmm. really keep it going. You know, okay, we can't perform on stage. Well, watch this. And then they put up this digital thing and, and, it's 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 fascinating. Yes. Is there anything like that? You know, like a like a uh, a collective of musicians who are consistently putting out live streams. Um, I, there definitely are, and I think of some friends I know, some singers, songwriters who are consistently doing live stream concerts, and that, and I've watched some, and it's been really fun and a cool way. It feels like you were saying it feels like I'm invited into their homes. Yeah, it's sort yeah. of stripped down. Um, and a lovely thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, there's plenty of that happening. Um, in some ways, I feel like I've been drowning in content. There's so much <laughs> online content yeah. that I'm not watching everything. Um, Does it get in the way of your own creativity? Not do, really. Do you, have to iso- do you have to isolate yourself from other music when you're in the writing process, for example? N- I find no. I mean, sometimes if I'm working you know, super intensely than I'm working nonstop, but I, I love listening to other music. Um, the only issue is sometimes, you know, I'll be like, Oh wow, I wrote this song in two minutes. That was great. And then the next day I'll be like, because it already exists. <laughs> it's like, I stole this melody from this other song. And it's great. <laughs> uh, no, yeah. I, uh, I think I, I'm at an advantage because and I'm probably going to catch a lot of grief for saying this, but I think huh. Norwegian radio is terrible. Um, it's very, uh, well, no, it's, it's very shallow. <laughs> they don't, you know, you don't hear that broad, um, 
there's just not a lot of input. Gotcha. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so it gets boring very quickly because you hear the same things over and over. You know, there's right. no classic radio stations. There's not a mm-hmm. lot of artists here, so the contemporary things aren't going to be very. They're not going to vary right. uh, at all. Right. Know? Right. So I think that's an advantage to me because I, since I've been living here for almost 20 years now, I just don't listen to the radio anymore. So if mm-hmm. one were to ask me what's new in Norway, I have no idea. So right. then I am left to my own creative devices and there's mm-hmm. no distraction. But I would yeah. imagine it's easy to be distracted in New York City. Yes. Or yes. inspired. Yes. I I think both. Um, I I feel like I'm someone who I, I don't mind things getting into the creative process. Like even as an actor, there are some people, if it's a, uh, an existing piece of work they say oh i don't want to watch the older Uh, versions but i i like watching everything and maybe that's just because i started out i think as a super fan of everything so even if it's not from a you know work standpoint just as a fan someone who wants to know more about the history of the art forms i feel like oh i have to watch this thing um but sometimes you know as i get as i narrow into the creative process you know if i'm at the end of a song or I'm at um, about to perform something, I feel like, okay, I don't need to watch this old thing or listen to yeah. this other thing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Let me ask yeah. you something about acting. What yes. is the most nerve-wracking audition you've ever done? Ooh. That's scary. You're putting yourself out there, and yes. you're putting yourself in a situation to either be accepted or rejected. That can yes. be scary. Yes, and I feel like I still have a hard time with a lot of auditions and really it can be yeah it varies on the project and what i have to do in the audition um but it it, it can feel like you're putting yeah you're putting your whole worth at stake which is important to remember it's not because from people i know in the casting process it's so often not about talent level it's just oh. we need this person this person works better with this person and so we have to pair them together or this person okay. fits this costume that already exists uh, that's happened before there's so much and you never know i've had auditions where i didn't book the role and then later that casting director brought me in for another project that i did get okay. so you never know which no is actually a future yes okay um no. but I'd, yes no go yeah. ahead go ahead yeah i think my most nerve-wracking auditions i think of a couple for big Broadway shows where I've walked into the room and there are 15 people who don't introduce themselves, (laughs) you know, there are various producers and I don't know, the important people. And that can feel overwhelming, especially if no one is leading the room. Sometimes no one says anything. So it's it's awkward and you just have to be like, (sighs) hello, I am here. Cool. Oh my goodness. That would just, uh, I'm shy at heart, and I think I would just wither and die if I walked into something like that. Yes, it is important to pump yourself up and relax and remember it's not, you know, it's not the end of the world, <laughs> no matter what. Are you it's sure? It's just an audition. <laughs> I know. Ooh, it can feel like it. Yeah. So so you are, um, you've been off Broadway, you've been on Broadway. Have you done any television? Um... I have not done a lot of TV and film. I've done um, 
I guess my biggest foray is I did a short film. Uh, we shot it last year and it was released this year and it won best film at a festival and it had, oh, um, congratulations. Yeah, my, thank you. It was a, a cool, actually it was a fun way to bridge the worlds for me because I got the gig from someone I'd worked with in a theater production. Okay. Um, yeah, through that connection. But my scene in it was with uh, this actor, Dennis O'Hare, who was uh, a very, very talented. Well, you know, he's been in a billion TV shows and movies. And so that was <laughs> that was a bit nerve wracking. Just my first I'd, I'd done some student film stuff, but my first okay. real, you know, on screen gig with yeah. this guy I've watched in a bunch of things. Um, but this, was, this, was a, this was a short film, you said? Yes. It's not currently available to watch there. Uh, it was available to watch earlier this summer um, okay. online for free. But right now, uh, the tough thing is it was they were planning to have it run the festival circuit. But most of that got canceled because okay. of COVID. But yeah. we did do some online festival circuit and it won some okay. things. Oh, um, cool. Yeah, so I'm hoping to delve more into that because I lo I watch so much TV. I love TV and film, yeah. and there's so much of it right now. So, but are you are you so into um, so into acting that you find yourself analyzing the performance, or can you just sit back and enjoy mm -hmm. the film? Oh, that is so. That is a real thing. It is really challenging sometimes. Yes, and sometimes no. I have shows that I watch that I think, oh, you know, would I say this is technically good? Mm. Probably not. But in some ways, I feel like I can just unplug and enjoy it yeah, for what it yeah. is. Um, so it varies. It really, some days, yes, some days, no. Um, but I just, I watch so much. <laughs> it's really I, bad. It's good research. I know I fall into that trap when it comes to my stand-up comedy. Mm. I, you know, I, I can sit and I can enjoy the performance and I can laugh, but I end up dissecting it. Okay. How, right. what was his lead into that bit and how did he wrap it all together? And this, right. and, and I, and it's, and it, it can be tiring for my wife if she's sitting beside me and we're watching a performance <laughs> on, on Netflix or YouTube or whatever, but I can't help yeah. it. I get so, um, I can't let that analytical side, that, yes. that professional side, I just can't let that go all the time. I would right. imagine that happens to you from time to time, both with music yes. and acting. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And so sometimes I feel like for me, if a, if a piece just sweeps me away, mm -hmm. um, then I'm like, oh, that was very well done because I wasn't trying to analyze everything, yeah. but maybe on repeat viewing I do. Um, yeah, yeah, it's tough. <laughs> it's tough. Now, you yeah. uh, said earlier uh, when we were talking, uh, I wrote this down so I wouldn't forget. You said uh -huh. you were politically galvanized. What yeah. does that mean? What does that mean? Oh, gosh, what does that mean? I think, I think it just means that I am really trying to figure out how I can be best of service to help bring change. Um, you know, uh, sometimes as artists there are so many artists involved i think in in political things um but sometimes i think okay my i don't want to be a politician that's not my in no. and i don't 
you know, what, what are the best things use of my skills? Um, and I'm still figuring that out, but I do feel like lately I'm trying to see, okay, how can I help with certain political races? What can I volunteer with? What campaigns can I volunteer with? Um, or what projects can I be a part of? What fundraisers, what can I bring awareness to? Um, and yeah, I'm still figuring that out. I'm part of a, um, I'm part of a, a reading group of artists and we're trying to make some activist art soon. So ah, interesting. Are, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so what do you say to the people out there who say, shut up and just act or shut up and just do your music? What do you say to them? Ooh, I say that every person is affected by things that are political. And if you don't think you are, it means that, you have been very fortunate to not have an issue affect you, but there are, you are affected by it, whether you think you are receiving something or not receiving something. Um, and that we all should be able to participate in the political process because we are all affected by it. It doesn't matter what mm -hmm. our job is. Um, and that is and, important for people to remember that we all yes. should, we all deserve it as Americans to be involved. Yes. Yes. Are you guys starting to see any mailboxes disappearing there in New York? Oh my God. You know, I saw a video of it. Um, um, I haven't seen it with my eyes, but video of it. Um, well, they're doing it in the middle of the night. Yes. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it's an intense time. It's an intense time. It's a sad time. Yes. Um, I think I said this to your father when I was talking to him. There, it's almost a form of trauma <clears throat> to be an expat, an American living here in Norway, and yes. I'm not there, and all I can do is watch. Yes. And I'm not saying I'm this big, important person who can, who can influence a lot of people, um, mm -hmm. but I get this feeling, and I know other Americans who live overseas get this feeling that we are... We are we're, we're missing out on a chance to help affect things. It's right. almost a form of trauma that, 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 that we are. Yeah. We, it, it's, it's a pain. We, it's something we feel deep mm -hmm. in us that, that, that we're, we're, we're almost letting our country down by not being there during these days where we need as many people right. as possible to be involved. Right. Yeah. I think your perspective is a really fascinating one. Um, but, you know, it's tough. I, I, I feel like take care of yourself, you know, <laughs> Yeah. stay where you are. It's fine. Well, well yeah, you know, and, and I, I'm constantly homesick. Yeah. Um, but I, I think I lost the desire to move home maybe 10, 12 years ago. And that's mm. just because by that time we had been here so long, we were well established. We right. had our home, our children and everything. So it just would have been too much to try and yes. move back. And although I have a strong desire to get involved with what's going on yes. back home, I still have no desire to move back, especially now because I think it's right. gotten so ugly. And that is, that yes. is something that I struggle. And I know a lot of other uh, American expats struggle with. We mm -hmm. love our country and we're homesick, but good God, we do not want to be there while yeah. these things are happening right now. It, it's, it's a, it's a weird yin and yang type of thing that, 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 that yes. I struggle with. Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And yeah, I, I, I feel like there are, there are still things that with your skills from abroad are important, you know, talking to people and spreading awareness and that you're still doing something to help even from. And afar. that's, that's what I've found that I can do. Um, yes. You know, talking about it and putting these, uh, you know, this isn't a political podcast episode, but I've had some episodes that are quite political. I've had uh, yes. so- solo rants, uh, you know, yes. where I've yes. said what's on my heart and, and it has led to some things <laughs> happening. Yes. So, so I, I do what I can, but um, it's, it's, it's not making that feeling of helplessness go away. And it's frustrating. It's yeah, frustrating. I think what's what's tricky and i listened to one of those i really enjoyed it where you were just talking about the state of things was um, it the famous episode 28 i believe so That's that was the one that yes. kind of went semi-viral and got me on the yes. news here in norway yeah. yes 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 um and i think that's really helpful too for folks in other countries to hear your perspective so they know because I'm sure it's easy to, I don't, you know, I don't really know how it's, the story is being told. I've seen certain news stories from other countries where yeah. what's happening here is being described. But I think that's really good and important to hear from yeah. you. From, from from here, it seems like most people here in Norway feel, it's, it's gone from this uh, enormous respect for the United States to this enormous pity for the mm. United States. Uh, but I think most people are sitting with a feeling that whenever the current administration leaves, whether it's now in November or four years after that again, mm-hmm. they feel that whenever this current administration is gone, things will pretty much go back Change. to normal. Right. Um, I don't know if that's a naive way of thinking, but that's the way I think. <laughs> that once mm-hmm. this administration is gone, things will rather quickly go back to normal. I think. Mm-hmm. I hope. Yeah, and I'm I'm hopeful that, you know, as you mentioned earlier, there, it's a new normal yeah. um, because so many of the issues we're dealing with now have are longstanding, yes. deep rooted. Yes. And but I think we're facing these things yeah. now. I yes. think that the, when you look at the when you look at the dynamic within these um, uh, groups that are protesting, uh, you know, it's mm-hmm. not just black faces out there talking about civil rights. Now it's black, it's white, it's brown, and we mm-hmm. never saw that before uh, mm-hmm. during my childhood, during my parents' childhood. It it, it wasn't like that. So that we now see uh, a literal rainbow of of faces out there demanding uh, equality. To me, that right. gives me hope. As crazy as things are right now, are right now, I have hope, simply yeah. because of the dynamic within those uh, protesters. Yes. Every, everybody is everybody's out there now. It's not just black people saying, "Let black people enjoy uh, equality under yeah. the law." It's everyone who's saying it now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah, gives me I, hope. I, that gives me hope. Yes, and hope I think is important. Important to to keep alive. Absolutely. You know, that sounds like a, a syrupy, sweet little cliche, but but uh, but it's the truth. Yes. If you, yeah. you know, hope is what gets you up in the morning. Hope is what gets you through the day. Hope is mm-hmm. what keeps you looking, looking forward. And you can pl- apply that on an individual basis or you can apply, apply it to an entire nation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. We, yeah. Is it, isn't it nice when we agree? <laughs> <laughs> I remember yes, I was, it makes things easy. <laughs> well, I remember the episode with your father. 
uh-huh. uh, towards the end, uh, you know, and it was just, it was a lot of talking about politics and social issues. And yeah. he said, he said, my gosh, John, we agree on everything. Is there anything that we can disagree on? And I told him, I said, well, you think it's okay to live in New York City. So there's one thing. Right. <laughs> exactly. I, I, I do not like cities. I just, I don't, I don't know how you guys can do it. You know, and that's okay. I have learned through trial and error that I am absolutely a city person. Yeah. <laughs> and, and I can, you know, I spent eight months in, um, a uh, small town in Oregon, working at the Oregon Shakespeare Festival, oh, okay. and it—I loved my time there. It was life-changing, beautiful, met amazing people. But it really made me realize I cannot be in a small town forever. I need—I need, See, I need I'm the, the city life. I guess I guess it's whatever you're used to, and I guess what you're used to is what you have from the beginning. You know, if you yeah. started off your your formative years yeah. in the city, that's pretty much what you're used to i mean that's right yeah no i um i can't do it i can go to the city i can do what i have to do but i really like getting out again and that's i think that's great i i am not mad at people who (laughs) have realized new york city or other big cities are not for them i think that's good now what part of the city are you i live in washington heights which is at the top of manhattan okay um Yes, I actually was born here. I was born only a couple uh, a couple blocks from oh. where I live now, which is a fun because I grew up in Atlanta, so I my childhood was down there. But then I made my way back. Yeah, yeah. Now Atlanta yeah. is a nice city. If I had to choose a big city to live in, Atlanta would be one of them. Yeah, it does have a lot to offer. It was a great place to grow up, and yeah, it's got it's got a wide variety of things. Well, there in New York city, you have everything you need. I mean, you have the access to, to well, it's everything you need within, yes. within the arts. I mean, that right there is yes. probably the world Mecca of all things art. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's amazing. And, but I will say I have been envious of my friends who don't live in cities at this time because to quarantine, you know, on top of people, I'm, I, I do get jealous of my friends who live in houses with backyards. I'm fortunate. I live by some really beautiful parks. Okay. I have been able to get out and enjoy that. Not everyone in the city has access to that as closely as I do. Well, that's a big Um, benefit. Absolutely. Yes. But sometimes I just think, Oh, it would be nice to just, you know, be in my own backyard, maskless, <laughs> yeah, out there all day. But you know, that's what you get from living in a city. Yeah, we Plus haven't had to. Uh, we haven't had to mask up yet. But I do believe the government is going to come down with a uh, strong recommendation for putting masks on because we're starting gotcha. to get a few extra. Mm-hmm. You know, things were pretty low as far as new people getting infected, but it's starting to right. creep up a little bit now that school mm-hmm. is back. Yes. So yeah, yeah, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if within the next month the schools are shut down. I wouldn't be surprised. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we're we're fine with that. You know, we have good uh, internet here in Norway, and things That's were great. going just fine those last few weeks of school last year, with right. people just doing it online. So remote. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Let me yeah. ask you this: You have a. <laughs> I'll call it a dynamic family tree. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. That's a good way way to put it. Uh, I have that as well. My my wife is, um, the Norwegian for it is Samisk. Uh, We called it Laplanders. Uh, Uh So our children have have that mix. I have mix um, 
mixes in in my family as well. You are part Jewish, part mm-hmm. African. Um, mm-hmm. What does that do with your identity? Do you identify mm-hmm. as who you are? Just you know, I'm Tatiana Vexler, or are you Tatiana Vexler, the the the, the part Jewish, part African? Yeah. Where where does that where does that fall? In your in the scope of your identity, totally. Um, I think I do identify as all the things I am. It I think the context sometimes uh, matters. I think my both of my parents are Jewish, actually. So, um, but I have a lot of family that is and isn't. Uh, and you know, I have my mom's from Congo, so it's. African and black and an American and Jewish and Eastern European family and a New Yorker who grew up in Atlanta who <laughs> likes to create stuff. <laughs> so I feel like that is, you know, if I have time, that is what I will say. <laughs> um, I usually feel like I shorten it down to, you know, black and Jewish or, you know, African, black, Jewish, Eastern European. <laughs> but I also think, you know, I've done a lot of projects that are all black casts and things like that. And it's whenever I get to connect with any group of people who I think are my people, then that is wonderful. And I get so much from that because I do, you know, in America, there is some degree of truth, I believe, to either you're white or you're not in terms of your experience. There's a lot of variety of that, but I, you know, and I guess it goes back to the one drop rule. Yeah. Yeah. Like you, you, you don't have a white experience the second you are anything other than white. (laughs) Even if you are white Um, and you can be not white and have a white experience of people look at you with it's complicated and that's more about what people perceive of you than your own perception of your identity but well again, people's pe- people's perceptions can be quite entertaining when mm-hmm. you hear about their perceptions uh for example a lot of people here in norway and i honestly have no clue where they get this from so many times people have asked me if i'm a pacific islander oh yeah interesting yes yeah well, I guess you know I, what you're surrounded by, well, depending yeah. on what. Yeah, I had a I had an old classmate of mine from uh, way way back in in uh, Norton, Ohio, way back when I was living there during high school, and we met up again through Facebook years later. And she said, "Yeah, John, you know, I always knew you would end up marrying a white girl." And I said, "I didn't marry a white girl. I married a Norwegian woman." Uh huh. It's perception. You know, there's the, a white girl, quote unquote, is one thing, but a Norwegian one. It, I guess my, my thing is, is here in Norway, the American perception of race doesn't fit. Yes. It that's, just doesn't that's, fit. Mm-hmm, and that's the thing is it really varies country to country. Yes. And it's tough because some of, sometimes I think, well, you should just honor what you see yourself as. But then I also feel like sometimes you need to honor what the country you're in because there are structural and systemic issues connected to it directly. You know, like if you are not perceived as white in another country, but you come to America and you're perceived as white, you will have a different experience and you have to be aware of that, I think, if you live in America. So, and if you live somewhere else, you need to know, oh, I might be treated differently and it means X, Y, Z here. I guess in here in Norway, they they don't, um, I guess they're, they're used to the African immigrants 
right. and refugees who come here. And those are quote unquote black people to them. Right. right. So through my family tree, it's mixed up with quite a few things. So I don't look like a classic African. Right. So they don't know what right. I am. So they just kind of gravitate to this Pacific Islander thing. It's, it's just interesting. And it, it kind of opened my eyes to the different perceptions that people have. As, as you said, from country to country, you're going to have mm -hmm. a different history, a different set of racial, yes. racial categories, if you will. And it's mm -hmm. just very interesting here in Norway, what they consider black is not right. what we consider black. What they consider right. African is not what we consider African. It's just, it's very right. different here. Very different. Yes. And I do think there are global truths. Like I do think anti-blackness is global, anti-colorism, anti-dark skin yes. people is yes. global if all, across cultures. Yeah. Like there are things like that. That's um, an issue here in Norway. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, but the the intricacies, you know, we've all been either trained or you could say brainwashed or who knows <laughs> by the country you grew up in, I think. Yeah. And as you grow, you have to learn about context. I well, think. sure, context and and you know. Oh, well, hold on one second. There's rain yeah, coming. No there's rain coming in my window here. Hold on. Oh no! Oh my gosh! Oh jeez. Boy. Wow, that's a crazy that's moment in the podcast. Hey, no, all of a sudden the yes. wind just started kicking up and tons of rain coming out. We got like a little bit of a storm here and, and the sun was out and the sky was blue like 20 minutes ago. Whoa, summer yeah. storm. <clears throat> yeah, we had those in Norway too. Um, yeah. What were we talking about? You know. Oh, I'm, a I'm a terrible podcast host. No, it's okay. Uh, context, <laughs> cultural context. Yeah, I don't um, know what I was. Yeah, no, I don't know. The thing with identity, though, is is important. One one thing I can say is that since living here in Norway, I have become more, I don't know, aware and introspective and reflective of my both my Americanness mm -hmm. and my blackness, mm -hmm. much more so than I was before I left the United States. And yeah. I don't know if that's part of homesickness. I don't know if that's part of me pushing against some of the preconceived notions that Norwegians mm -hmm. have on those issues. I don't know what that right. is, but it's an interesting thing. Yeah. 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 I think being placed in a, an environment that's different from where you were raised makes you think yeah. about, oh, how, how do I relate to that? Yeah. And even though I've been here almost 20 years, I'm still not. 100% comfortable with being here there's always that feeling of being the other of being right. the the guest if you will in the country yes. so it's um I don't want to say it's uncomfortable but it is an aspect to my day-to-day -day life that is there it's interesting yeah. it's interesting yeah yeah absolutely now is there any place online where people can find that wonderful concert that you did i know it was on youtube yeah. for a while and th didn't it go yes. down it was taken down or? yes it was um th because of the union rules there were only because it's a benefit concert something something there were only a couple days it was up but um hopefully the union doesn't listen to this i uploaded it to my website <laughs> you can see it <laughs> if you um because you know i had the file i made it so i was like yeah. why not um so on my website tatianawexler.com if you go on the music page there's the full concert and then i also have the individual music videos posted as well 
And that, that's YouTube. that's just Tatiana Wexler in one word dot com, right? Yep. yep. Okay. I want to make sure I post that. I want my listeners to to kind of get in there and, and check check you out and see what you can do with this music because I tell you it was a beautiful performance. Thank you so let, much. Let me ask you something real quick. What uh, can you can you go into this thing with the union and why it had to be taken down? Yeah, it's been a very challenging time. I'm a member of Actors Equity, which is the theater union for actors and stage managers. Um, there are a lot of different unions. There's the union for TV and film work, on-screen work, and then if you're a director or choreographer, mm. or, you know, different, yes. Um, so for Actors Equity, it's been a challenging time because theater is almost not happening yeah, there are some yeah. non-union things happening right now and the safety of that is up for debate and there have been i think two to four equity approved union productions of theater pieces happening right now with a lot of distancing and rules and yes, things yeah. and outdoors um but right now it's challenging and there's not only from okay figuring out what work we can approve for our members. There's a push to get some contracts made for digital work because yes, maybe it's not what we would traditionally call theater, but, but that's, that's what's all available we can now. do. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So we need coverage. We need, you know, and there actually, I've heard of some projects that will be done completely on zoom, but are union approved with full salary and benefits. Um, okay, good. So that's good and promising. Although hopefully there's a lot of that. Um, but there's also the worry of our our health insurance is tied to how many weeks you work of union approved work. Okay. And that means so many people are losing their health insurance right now. I'm slated oh, to that's lose scary. mine. Yeah, in by March I may not ha- be covered that because is I just scary. can't work. Oh, that's yeah. fright. That's frightening. That's terrifying. Yeah, it's actually, it's, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's the worst time to. <laughs> to lose health insurance. <laughs> but, but okay. Yeah. So, so the union is involved, uh, in, in the work that you do, but, but again, yes. how, how, what is it about that relationship with the union that made you have to take it off of YouTube? Um, they had, you know, and I didn't, the, the theater company, I did it. I produced it for the acting company, um, uploaded it and it's some sort of contract they created for benefit concerts Mm. and works that are happening right now and there's for some reason a four-day limit i think it's mostly because most of these have been uh either productions of plays which have very specific you know like copyright rules or um performances of other people's material but most of it is my material so i felt like well it's me and i'm fine with it being yeah that's why i'm questioning the whole thing because this was your this was your material Yes. So I think it's it's because most of the time it's not people performing their own material. It's, okay. you know, there's an, a writer, there's a separate composer. So I see. Interesting. Yeah, I, I just got, I've just got the wheels turning around in my head about what, I don't know, I guess it, my natural inclination is, is to fight <laughs> for you the owner mm-hmm. of that piece of work to be able to do whatever you want with it. And that's not to say exactly. that unions are a bad thing, quite the opposite. I, lo- I, I am very yes. pro union, but it's, yes. to me, it's just a little bit puzzling why they would. Yeah. I don't know. I don't yes. want to get you in any trouble with, uh, with no, the union, but it's, okay. it's, and it's, it's, it's yeah. a strange, strange relationship that they, to me, that they would Definitely. step in and have something to say about whether that is posted up on YouTube or not. 
Right. And I I do think it's to protect the artists sometimes, you know, but yeah, we'll see as time goes on. I had my, uh, my distributor on all of my podcast episodes. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's my song, the bookend music at the beginning and at the end. And my, um, my distributor steps in, uh, and this happens within minutes after I post my podcast to YouTube and they come Mm -hmm. in and demonetize it. Yes. And a lot of people have come to me and asked why that is. But then there's the strange thing about copyright. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not that I can't make any money off of that song. It's just that because I have my distribution deal for my music, they are the ones that that have monetized that song. Exactly. It's not like they're trying to block the podcast. They're Mm -hmm. just stepping in and doing their job when it comes to my music. So it's just, yes. it's it's one of the downsides of putting two art mediums together because you have different mm-hmm. in your case unions in my case you know my distributor and my own publishing you know there's a conflict which is weird there yes. should be some kind of way to work around that but it's it's weird it's just Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so complicated. We're, we're weird. We we live in a weird world. We artists. It is. There's so many, you know, rules. Bunch of and, freaks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I hopefully my dream is for it to, you know, all the art get to um, as most as many people as possible. Um, what is? I was just reading an article for my reading group uh, talking about cultural democracy and that you know the m- most amount of people should have access to the most kinds of art hmm. as possible. Well, that's. So. Uh, that should be the goal for all artists and all people who support artists. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Well, listen, Tatiana, this has been a great uh, discussion. I feel like yes. I know you better. Yet another Wexler that I have gotten to know. Yes, making your way through. <laughs> Who's next? Who's next? <laughs> who knows? I'll tune in. But I, uh, I want to wish you all the luck in the world. I will. Uh, I am watching your career. Thank you. Um, your father and your uncle told me you were good, and I just got proof of that when you came out with that uh, that video production thank of your you. music. So well done, thank you so much. well done, and thank you for being my guest. Of course, thank you. Okay, that's Tatiana Wexler. Bye, everybody. I'm coming home. Oh